guys, it's Kevin Shinnick. Just want to call and say congratulations on 100 episodes. That's insane. I think in Amazing Spider-Man 100, didn't Peter question whether he still wanted to be Spider-Man until he was visited by all his past villains and friends? Well, may you be visited tonight by all your past guests and listeners and decide the same thing Peter did, which is, yes, still keep going. Keep being Spider-Man. Keep being Spider-Man Talks. Congratulations, guys. Bye. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon The Amazing Spider-Talk The Amazing And welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Kavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com and an editorial assistant at CBR. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor of Superior Spider Talk. Dan, I'm so excited. I'm almost forgetting who I am right now. Oh my gosh, you're Mark Chinacchio. And thank you, everybody, for joining us for the 100th episode of Amazing Spider Talk. I can't believe we did it. If you had told me we did a, we'd do a hundred of these three years ago, I would have slapped you in the face. <laughs> you and me both, Dan. In fact, can I still slap you in the face, though? I will allow it because okay. I'm having a drink right now, and I don't care who knows it. And I've seen this boy drink, and after one, he'll be ready to get slapped in the face. <laughs> that is true. I am the biggest lightweight on earth. Well, guys, for the 100th time, we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. And I guess by now, I, I think maybe we've succeeded. 100 episodes. Are we hoping to look at the universe anymore, or have we done it? Well, you know, we could always now look to look at the multiverse and make a new multiverse, Reed Richards style. Oh, I mean, we totally I, I could, we totally could. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so for this special centennial episode, we'll be discussing our rankings of all of the centennial issues of Amazing Spider-Man. That's you know the ones with the two zeros at the end for all of you non-math majors. Uh, and then we'll be discussing our brand new friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club that will hopefully keep me from having to repeat the word friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club every episode. Is that going to change, Dan? I think so. Maybe not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. And then uh, we'll be discussing our memories, top five memories, in fact, from the show of those first 100 episodes. Uh, and throughout the episodes, we're gonna, we we set up that special hotline, Nine Red Goblin. Don't ask me to give you the numbers. I don't know them off the top of my head. But Nine Red Goblin, and you left us your voicemails. You left comments of praise. You asked questions. Some of you discussed food items. We're going to play them throughout the show, and when appropriate, we're going to talk about them. So um, this is pretty awesome, Dan. We're, we're about to have a, an anniversary episode. Let's get, let's get chromiumed. And, yeah. and is this, I was just going to ask, is this foil embossed? 
or, or see-through cover or tombstone covered? Ooh, die cut tombstone. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's dive right into the first voicemail. Hi, this is John Semper, the producer and head writer of Spider-Man the Animated Series. I want to congratulate Dan and the amazing Spider Talk podcast for recording its 100th episode. That's 100 episodes, over 100 hours of doing nothing but talking about Spider-Man. I produced 65 half hours of uh, Spider-Man animation, and I don't think I talked about Spider-Man as much as this podcast talks about Spider-Man. I, I know Stan Lee, he and I have talked about Spider-Man. I don't think Stan Lee has talked about Spider-Man as much as this podcast talks about Spider-Man. So um, I want to thank the podcast for um, keeping uh, the fans excited about Spider-Man, and, uh, and I hope you guys have another great 100 episodes coming up, and, uh, and good luck. Um, I hope to talk to you again soon. Take care. This is John Semper saying good luck, congratulations, happy 100 episodes, and hopefully we'll be talking again real soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Just want to say it's been a blast listening to some of the back issues of the podcast while I do my holiday road trips. But I do have one question for you. Back, back in the day, there was a what-if issue, if I'm remembering correctly, in where Aunt May got superpowers and was a hero by the name of the Golden Oldie. When do you guys think we're going to see the Golden Oldie again now that we've got so many spider books coming out? I mean, Marvel's really missing a corner of the geriatric market, but uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Thanks. Well, of course, we got to thank John Semper, uh, the producer of Spider-Man, the animated series, for calling in. He's a good friend of ours, and uh, it's always nice to hear his voice. And, and he certainly makes us sound like a bunch of sick people for talking about <laughs> Spider-Man for so much time. I don't even think Spider-Man has talked about Spider-Man for 100 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got this other voicemail from, I guess, our holiday, holiday road trip guy. I don't know his name. He didn't leave his name, but he wanted to know what we thought about the return of the Golden Oldie. Mark, when are we going to see the Golden Oldie again? Well, didn't we see her in Spider-Verse team up number three, Dan? Or, uh... Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, during those weird multiversal stories. But do you think, like you said, they could, make, they could corner the market, the market on geriatric readers? Well, you know, we know that Marvel kind of has this tendency to be replacing some of its flagship heroes with other other characters now. I mean, you know, maybe maybe we're going to have like a Galactus-led story or maybe Aunt May can become the new Silver Surfer. That would be excellent. Dan Slott and Dan Slott can write it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I think Galactus it, eats Twinkies in that episode, in that issue, if memory serves. I think that's how uh, they find that, how we can, they sustain him in the end. So, um, well, Dan Slott could make it fruit pies. Fruit pies. Yes. Always with the fruit pies. Well, th those were, those were two great voicemails. Um, Dan, I, I hate to be so formulaic on a, on a celebration show, but, uh, we do want to do a little bit of business here, right, in terms of talking about some special issues. you got to pay those bills, Mark. 
You know, I mean, this is a comic book podcast. If all we did was just talk about ourselves, I mean, well, all we do is ever really talk about ourselves, but we always talk about ourselves through the lens of a comic book. So that's what we're going to do right now. Um, I don't know about you, Dan, but when I was a kid growing up, those centennial issues uh, were, I just looked forward to them more than anything else. I mean, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that when I started collecting uh, Amazing Spider-Man as a kid, I was like three issues out from Amazing Spider-Man number 300, which was such a, such a huge supernova-sized blast for me. Uh, so then when 400 came out and then 500, 600, 700, I just always got really excited because I always figured – I always pegged those as the really special issues. Well, you got a really great one to start, and I guess I did too because I started with 375. So 400 wasn't too far around the corner. And, uh, you know, I didn't quite understand all the Ben Riley stuff that appeared in that issue, but I got the death of Aunt May, and by then I had established a relationship with the character, and it meant something to me. So, you know, I think both of us, we got some pretty good ones to get started. Well, a correction, Dan. You got the death of the actress hired to look like Aunt May. <laughs> yes, of course. With, yeah, how could I forget? And, and, the, and the mind bomb... <laughs> later be revealed yes exactly um so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna discuss our our favorite uh or our rank our centennial issues i should say um starting from uh our seventh favorite seventh favorite all the way to our 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 first favorite uh dan what's what's your seventh choice of the centennial issues my seventh choice is actually issue 200 and i think I, I'm imagining yours is somewhere close to this on the list because you've publicly bagged on it in the past. Yeah, I mean, I shockingly did not pick 200 as my as my last as my least favorite. I guess you would say I actually picked 600 as my least favorite. The Centennial issues, um, but yes, we 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 have certainly discussed uh, 200. I mean, what what why why is it your least favorite, Dad? Well. I mean, like, there is something to be said about it kind of paying off this long brewing arc that had been going on in the pages of the book for, like, a little while involving the reappearance of the burglar. And there's something nice about that, but I, I just never – it never really was something I enjoyed that to find out the motivations of the burglar, especially considering that it was a buried treasure uh, in the bottom of the Parker house. It's just a retcon that I've never liked. And you bundle that into a centennial issue and have that be the big reveal, especially considering that Peter Parker, like, essentially scares this guy into having a heart attack. There's just a bunch of things there that just don't, never really clicked for me and make it stand out as, like, my least favorite centennial issue. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly in agreement with you. Um, I mean, it's actually not to jump ahead. The 200 is my, my sixth favorite. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll discuss why 600 is my least favorite in a second, but just to kind of echo you with, with 200 is, yeah, I mean, like this is one of those, the, the, the burglar's motivations is one of those retcons kind of like akin to me to, you know, for Batman fans when, uh, they made the, 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 person who killed Bruce Wayne's parents into Joe Chill, you know, and it kind of took away from this, this mystique of the randomness of it, you know, and, and I, I always felt that was a key part of, of the Spider-Man mythos was the randomness of how both how he became Spider-Man and then how 
he learned the lesson to actually apply his powers responsibly. You know, it, it was, you know, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't as calculated as, you know, a burglar was scoping out the house and it so happened to be the same burglar he let run by him at a TV studio. Um, and, and on top of that, like, you know, Marv Wolfman has written some really great comics, really great Spider-Man comics and, and certainly other comics over the years. But the script in this, like he's, he, he tries so hard to make the burglar into this like colloquial character that it just like it, it grinds it to a halt for me because like every other word is like punk and and like very um I don't know very what's the word I'm looking for Dan you know what I mean like it's just like faux hip or like, yeah 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 it just it just it it totally it it does not read well um especially now almost. 40 years, well, 35 years after the fact. All books uh, should be held to that standard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I think adding to it, too, is people do love this book. Like, I've seen 200 get listed in, like, top Spider-Man story lists a lot, uh, you know, with a lot of consistency. Um, and and, and it's, it's allure has long escaped me. I will say, though, for a, you know, for a centennial issue – you know, a number of these issues could be like any other issue, but I like, you know, how tied into the origin of Spider-Man this is, that it yes. makes it feel like a much bigger event. And and Centennial issues should be big event issues, and I think when we get to our favorite ones, they are also this. Um, right. I don't happen to like it, but I do think that there is like a heightened level of like preciousness with the subject matter. Right, which is why – Ultimately, for me, 600 is my least favorite because I, I feel it is the most ordinary of all the centennial issues. It's not that it's a bad comic. I actually enjoy it. But there's, you know, I mean, we have the return of Doc Ock and the, and the reveal that Doc Ock is dying, which, of course, would be paid off 100 issues later in another centennial issue. Um, and we have the marriage of May and Jameson, you know, Senior Jameson. But I don't know. I mean, I think in terms of and it's funny, we talk about this now with with the Dan Slott scripted Spider-Man, how we sometimes feel like Peter himself is not a central character. And and I feel like the big stuff going on in the universe really didn't relate to Spider-Man. And thus, I feel like it doesn't feel as special as some of the other centennial issues. Hmm. Is that is that off base for you or uh No, no, no. I'm just but I'm gonna hold my thoughts till we get to talking about six hundred and why I like the issue. Okay. But um, I agree with you. I agree with you. It is not it does not have the level of like uh weight that the other ones do, at least in terms of like villain and consequences and to Peter himself. Okay. So I mean what's what's your what's your sixth favorite or second least favorite? This is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My sixth slash second least favorite is uh one hundred, which has probably one of the best covers for the centennial issues. And I and I like the issue just fine. I think it's got a great central conflict of Spider Man trying to cure himself so that he'll be Spider Man no more. In a way that is a step beyond how we've seen him 50 issues prior be Spider-Man no more. Um, and I like all of that. 
And the six arms is totally fun. But my big thing is that this is an incomplete story. It, like, is a cliffhanger. It kind of introduces Morbius. But, like, it just feels like an incomplete story. Whereas I feel like the other Centennial issues could kind of... They either end a story um, or there's complete story in of themselves. Um, and this one I always thought was like, oh, I, I, whenever I read it, I was like, uh, I, I want more from this, uh, you know, and it's also, you know, the Spider-Man no more thing. It's great, but we've seen it. We'd already seen it three or four times by the time we got to 100, not to mention how many times we'd seen it over the rest of the years of Spider-Man comics. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll get into my defensive 100 in a little bit, but I, again, so my sixth favorite, of course, is as I just mentioned earlier, ASM 200, and we got a voicemail about ASM 200. So uh, why don't why don't we why don't we play that one right now, Dan? Hey, uh, Amazing Spider Talk. This is Elliot, or um, on May's stunt devil is what I think I uh, reviewed the show as. Little Clone Saga reference. Um, I just wanted to say I, I absolutely I love the show. It's uh, one of my favorite pod- podcasts, definitely uh, my favorite Spider-Man podcast. Um, when I was first looking, when I first started listening, I was looking for uh, more positive reviews for Superior Spider-Man because at the time everybody was super down on it. They weren't big fans. Nobody was because because they thought it was a big play by Slot to get Doc Ock to be better than Peter, whatever. Um, uh, and I just needed to hear something different. Um, and you guys were very positive at the time about Superior, and that's what I needed to hear. Um, but then when Volume 3 came around, you guys, I, I was worried because I wasn't into Volume 3 very much, and I was worried that you guys were going to be blindly positive about whatever Spider-Man stuff you read. But to my surprise, um, not that you were negative, but, you know, you weren't just praising anything that was published. Um, and I realized that it's not that you guys were negative, it's that you guys are, uh, for the most part, very objective. Um, and it's funny that you, the uh, Matt Little podcast that was just uploaded, because it's part of the reason why I like the show so much is, um, and I take this opinion with most things, but especially with comics, um, I don't think a disagreement needs to be an argument. It should definitely be a conversation. But I feel like the two of you have different opinions a lot of the time, and when you talk about uh, the spider books together, it's not who's right, it's let's, let's hear each other's ideas. And sometimes I can see um, one of you building an idea upon another and bouncing it back and forth, and it's really fun to, to, to hear that. Uh, you guys are, are very fair and very honest, so thank you for that. Um, and I, I love the Matt Little episode, and I completely agree with everything uh, he said, and I think his opinion's valid. But I have to say, I did like Extraordinary X-Men. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much, guys. Uh, keep up the great work. And, and here's hoping for another 200 episodes, and maybe we'll find some gold at the bottom of uh, one of your houses. Well, goodbye. Well, Elliot, thanks so much for that. And, 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 and Dan, you know, he's right. You know, we could disagree on things. Like, you know, I, I disagree with you that annuals should count. And I'm sure this is going to get brought up 950 more times uh, before the end of the show. Absolutely probably, it is. Probably by many of our listeners in the voicemail section. Um, but uh, And speaking of disagreements, we're, we're probably about to uh, get to one of our key disagreements, uh, which is um, 
our, I guess, the placement of our fifth favorite Centennial issue. Um, let, you... let me say mine, and then we can both talk about the next one that we have flipped. Okay, very good. All right, so you have 600. Yeah, so right? my, my fifth favorite is 600, um, which I like more than you, it's clear to say, cause it was, since it was your seventh. I don't love the issue. I think on its own, it's a really fine issue of Spider-Man. Um, a Dan Slott written book. So if I'm saying that, you know I really mean it. And it was the return of Dr. Octopus after quite a long time being away from the book. And it was also the return of Mary Jane. So I think in that regard, it uh, I mean, Mary Jane was back a little bit earlier during the Paper Doll story. But I thought this issue... First of all, it reinvents who Dr. O- Octopus is in the modern context, giving him the kind of weakened body. It's a, like a New York-wide threat. There's uh, the marriage between J. Jonah Sr. and Aunt May. I just think this is a really fine issue of Spider-Man. Um, you've got the Human Torch relationship. It's kind of got everything from all the, the, of Spider-Man things, like his good stuff that you like all packed into one issue. And it's kind of of significance for the return of those characters and the global threat. So this one is more, I can see why it would be low on your list for not being like so essential to Spider-Man's origin or who he is as a character. But I thought it, I think it's just a fine issue of, of Spider-Man. And especially given that it was paving the way for Superior uh, all those years ahead of time, whether intentional or not. I will say that that 600 does have, in terms of variant covers, one of my favorites, that Alex Ross red cover with the arms of Doc Ock. Well, that's just the regular cover, isn't it? Well, I think it's, it was a 50-50 variant or something. Like oh, so, okay. so some people some, – well, us, well I, that was back in the day when I was a subscriber. So I actually got the uh, – I guess it was the Casada cover. What about the Romita Jr. cover? The, or the Romita, whatever the, sta- whatever the other 50-50 yeah, cover was. Yeah, I think was. it was Romita Jr. and really boring. It's just him swinging in the city. It's yes. like literally the most boring drawing of Spider-Man Romita Jr. has ever drawn. Right, and he probably got paid a fortune for it because it was the cover to 600. Um, and like, I immediately like went to the comic book shop after I got... 600 in the mail to see if I could get that Ross cover. Cause I was like, I need to own that. And like, that might have been the first time I ever bought a variant. Cause I was like really? dead set against it. Yeah. Um, or what I, or I guess like a second edition of the same one with a different cover. I mean, if you, I don't know if you want to consider it a variant or not, if it's a 50, 50, but yeah. I bought so. all those really dumb, uh, new ways to die variants. Yeah, I, I I just didn't get sucked into any of that. Um, I actually, yeah, no, I didn't even get like the Obama variants when they came really? out. No, no, I just because again, I was a subscriber, so I just got what they gave me. Oh, uh, you got that uh, really great John Romita Senior cover. Uh, well, yeah, like Peter's on the Prowl or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the te- the the Ode to Teenagers. Yes, yes. The Ode to dating. It was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, which was a great cover. And I actually think there was a period where, because so many people were after the Obama covers, I remember like looking, like just taking a peek on eBay. And like, I think like the regular cover was actually at one point priced more. 
really? at higher point. Yeah, because it was like there were so many Obama covers in the uh, in you know in the market that that the regular cover just didn't. But anyway, we digress, um, which is what we do on this show. We digress a lot. Um, I, I also think six hundred has one of the great like surprise moments where the bouquet is thrown and it's caught by that stunning picture of Mary Jane holding the flowers. <laughs> and I thought that's really awesome and a great way to end this book and reintroduce this character. Like in terms of Mary Jane entrances, that might be like number two or three behind, yeah. you know, the first one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Behind the most obvious one. Right. And, and <laughs> yeah. And the 900 million times it's been imitated. I mean, I don't know her appearance. I'm sure her appearance in Invincible Iron Man is to, is near the top of that list, right? Yeah, I don't right. Uh, I, did, I, I didn't even read it. I'm sorry. No, I did. I, it's a snooze. I, okay, you bet. And that's Bendis, and you love Bendis, so um, I mean that book is good, but it's just not worthy of that title, that cover. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. All right. So moving on to to number five, my number five. Um, and we've talked about this issue on the show a bit, Dan, and, 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 you know, again, I want to preface this by saying I don't hate or even dislike this issue. I just don't find, I don't adore it. Like I know you do and some other people do. And that would be amazing. Spider-Man number 500, which is uh, my number four for the right. Did, okay. you, did you expect it to be higher on my list? I did. I did. I thought I, I figured it was either going to be number two or number three for you. Yeah. It, I think it could be interchangeable with my number three. Okay. Um, I just also didn't know how much, you know, our, your top, you know, your number two choice, how much you love that one. I didn't know exactly where that stood on your list, um, which we will get to obviously, but yeah. So 500 for me, <sighs> You know, I, I, I wrote something about this on Chasing Amazing a while ago, and now I'm trying to recall exactly. You know, I wanna, I, I'm trying to get my – yeah, I, sh- I should have got my thoughts together before I came on the air, Dan, but, you know, we're winging this, right? Yeah, we, what, we, what are you drinking over there, Mark? They're, they're beverages here, Dan. Oh, um, I want to know specifically what you're drinking, Mark. I, I am drinking a, 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 a snifter of Johnny Walker Black in, in honor of my roommate, Flash Thompson. I was going to say, this is quite rude of us to be having a drink without inviting Flash on the show. Yeah, Flash is totally locked in the basement right now. I, I don't want him anywhere near this recording. Well, like, obviously, because you have alcohol in your hand. If, you, if he was out, you oh, would not yeah. have any alcohol. Yeah, and, and you know, and you know, we'll, we'll see if Flash swings by later. I doubt he will, but maybe he will. I don't know. It's it's we'll see. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I guess for me, you know, I I I think part of my problem with five hundred is yes, it 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 goes over the core tenets of Spider Man and and then the choices he's made to be Spider Man and you know that whole. Does he need to be Spider-Man? Why, why, why is he being punished? And, and I guess for me at this point, like I almost feel like Straczynski is going over ground that's, been, that's gone over. And I don't feel he does it any better than the people who've done it before him. So it just feels played out at that point. And that's why it just doesn't top, get, near, get closer to the top of the list for me. I just feel like I've seen this story before. Um, there's nothing new about this. It's just an excuse to, you know, once again, celebrate the, the lessons of Uncle Ben. And, you know, we, we have a lesson from Uncle Ben every, ish, every episode, Dan. He's always dead. 
Um, but I, you know, I, I, I guess I, with, with someone is with Straczynski's cachet, I expected something a little more creative than that. I, I see where you're, what you're saying. And I agree with you. Yes, it is another kind of like uncle Ben lesson. Although it's got, I, I thought like, first of all, on the art, uh, I think this is JRJR's like one of his best Spider-Man books He's ever drawn. There's a splash page in this of Spider-Man fighting through all of his memories that I think is tough to top. Um, And not only that, his father returns for the end of this issue to draw a scene between Peter and Uncle Ben, which, I mean, with that artwork and that writing, of all of the revisiting Uncle Ben scenes, to me, this one, like, tugs at my heartstrings the most Perhaps purely because of the artwork that's there, having that very classic feeling. But it, to me, because Ramita Sr. is doing the artwork, it feels like a real moment. It's not like a modern, like, hey, this is an Uncle Ben return issue. It's like, this is the real deal because one of the classic creators came back to do this. Um, so that scene holds weight for me. But I think on top of that, there's this great moment where Peter gets to choose uh, between stopping the spider from ever biting him or saving his life in the future and and preventing his death. And first of all, one, I love the trench coat uh, uh, suit. I would love to see that become an official Spider-Man costume. And uh, uh, I think that scene is just portrayed in such like a heartbreaking fashion like that it's the police that are hunting down spider-man and like for what appears to be a misunderstanding involving a death that was triggered by him and he returns to his aunt's grave i mean it's of all the ways to go that's the way for spider-man to go out um and i just love that he like can't really make a decision on what to do and and it kind of reinforces that like He's willing to be Spider-Man even if it means his death and that chilling moment where at the end the tailor comes to him and presents him the outfit. It's just, a, I think, a really nicely told story. Yes, I agree with you. It's not higher on my list because I think you're right. We've seen this story before and it is just kind of a retrospective celebration of Spider-Man. But I think when it came out, a celebration was in order. Uh... And uh, it, it just it hit my heart in all the ways that a, a good issue of Spider-Man can. So that's why it's as high on my list as as it is. Excellent. Well, my number four was your number six, which was Amazing Spider-Man number one hundred. Um, and you know, like I don't know. For me, this is just this is just fun, and and I like how it kind of introduces the concept of these centennial issues are going to be kind of different and celebratory. You know, it it is a different spin on the, on the Spider-Man no more motif and not for anything else, but this was also, I believe for the most part, Stan's last Stan Lee's last issue as a regular writer of amazing Spider-Man, which makes it kind of momentous. And, and it does set up, the Morbius and lizard storyline that follow in the next two issues. So I do kind of feel that it sets up a larger arc. Um, 
you know, it, 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 I don't know. Like I, I, I can't, I can't pinpoint exactly why I love it the way I do. I just feel that this is like good, silly, fun, silver age kind of becoming bronze age. You know, like you could see the seeds being sown for Spider-Man and, and Marvel in general kind of moving away from the Stanley schmaltz. And I, and I, and I find it to be like a, like a turning point before the actual turning point, which would come 21 issues later. Um, Interesting. So I just I, I, I kind of almost view it more from a, a lens of cultural significance, maybe rather than the story itself. Um, but um, that's why it is where it is on my list. So, you know, that's a great rationale. Yeah, I, I can see that for sure. So it looks like our top three are the same, Dan. Uh, yeah, so, I was surprised uh, when I saw that. Um, which do you, do you want to do the honors and, and, and reveal them? <laughs> yeah, sure. So both of our number threes is uh, amazing Spider-Man number 700, which I was surprised that you put as high as you ended up putting it. Oh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a landmark issue. I, I mean, no question. And, and, and despite how it ended, I really did love the superior era. And I think what's funny is as we've kind of, soured a bit on on Dan Slott's writing, at least in terms of Peter Parker over the last year or so. I mean, that's almost made me like look back. You know, I guess you could look back two different ways. You could either long for something more or be like, oh, you know, maybe I was looking at Superior with rose-colored glasses and these flaws that we've been pointing out are always there. And and I got to be honest, I've I've been thinking it's the former. I just I go back and I'm like, I want I want stories like this again. This was so different, and like 700 really set that up. And I I just remember reading 700. It was right the day after Christmas, and I was actually at my in-laws, so I wasn't even near like my home comic book shop. But like I was like gonna obviously pick it up the day it came out because I wasn't gonna wait for it. Um. And I just read it with like, and I knew what was ha- going to happen. I, 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 you know, that book got spoiled every which way. I couldn't avoid the spoilers. Um, and I but just it was the re- details that mattered. Yes, it was the details that mattered. And I just, and that was the thing. Like, I just remember sitting there reading that book with such a, such a sense of foreboding and ending up being like, that was really well done. I mean, I, I, this, I will always remember this book. Like, I, I'm going to remember where I was when I was reading it. I'm going to remember how I felt when I read it. And you can't say that about a lot of comics. I don't think I've ever taken so much time to read an issue of Spider-Man as I took to read this one. I was so nervous about it. Every page turn, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to find on the other end of this, you know? And... uh I don't know. There's just so many great things in, in this book. I, I don't think the stakes have ever been higher for Spider-Man in an issue than than in this. I mean, I guess he's died before, but this almost feels this is worse than death because you have a supervillain wearing your body, and like the fact that that was already taken care of in 698 meant like. If that's not the pinnacle of this in 700, then what could possibly happen in this book, you know, that to make that worse, you know? Yeah, and we 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 did a review on this. I think what was it at the end of Superior? We yeah, talked about so. this issue, and you know, I pointed out some flaws of it. Um, 
and those exist, but like even with those structural flaws, yeah, like you said, like like this was reading this book felt like an event to me. Like I like this was this was the most I've anticipated reading a Spider-Man comic in years. You know, I, I, I mean, I probably, probably since the number two issue on this list came out, um, like I, I just like, you know, in the weeks leading up to its release. And then, like you said, like that day, just reading it and going page by page and that, that, that sense of anxiety and, and, and that, that sense of anxiety really followed the book when it went to superior. I mean, we, we, we kind of talked and we originally talked about it as a good thing and maybe it wasn't in the long run, how, when volume three happened, it was like, Oh, it's good to have a Spider-Man book without all the stress anymore. Remember we said that on one of our episodes and I almost wonder if that tension and anxiety is what really fueled the creative juices for that book, because it, like you said, the stakes were just so high. And, 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 you know, at this point, that's what we need. We need the drama. We need the stakes. We need to feel like the urgency and, and, you know, the book has lacked urgency. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can see why you would maybe think I wouldn't rank it as high, but, um, no, I'm, 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 I'm on board with you, man. I think this book is, is, is a landmark issue. Well, not, not to mention just that, like, but it also does with the book we just talked about, but my, uh, issue 500, it also manages to do the whole, like, even though it might be played out by now, it did the whole flash into Peter's mind and we got to see all the people from his life, the different outfits he's worn through the generations and have an uncle Ben reunion. So not only did it do all that, it also did. What we just praised about the other books. Right, right. So kudos on go. that one. Um, <laughs> All right, Mark, what's our number two? All right, number two. And and I got to tell you, as as obvious as, as the number one may, choice may be for people who have either read my blog or, you know, I've listened to the show over the years – I, I was almost tempted to throw everyone a curve and make my number two choice my number one choice. But at the last second, I, I held true to form. Um, so my number two is Amazing Spider-Man number 400, um, which, I mean, is probably one of the most beautifully written Spider-Man stories you'll ever come across. Have we talked about this book, like, in depth, in depth on the, on the no, show yet, Dan? Uh, we got I don't. I don't know if it's on either of our essential lists, Dan. I, I mean, know that it's not. Uh, we might have to change that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so of course this is this issue. It's Jam DeMatteis and Mark Bagley. It comes in the really like the 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 infancy, but also like the first real thrust of the Clone Saga. Um, and uh, this deals with the death of Aunt May, which would, of course, be retconned. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll ignore that for now. And, and, I mean, Dan, for me, this was one of the most graceful and elegant death scenes I've ever seen. Not even just in a comic book, anywhere. I think the real problem is that it felt so final. Like, it was so well written. Like... It felt like there was no way to undo this because what writer would want to undo something so beautiful like <laughs> John Byrne and Howard Mackey. 
<laughs> let's not let's not talk about them right now. We're trying to talk about how much we like this comic. But yeah, okay. I mean, and and, and not, the writing is beautiful. But then you have you know uh, Bagley, who you know he's still finding his footing as an artist. Then, like he's still working out his '90s kinks. But uh, there's just a just beautiful imagery of New York that's tied into Aunt May's death that I, makes this really special. Yeah, I mean, you know, my 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 biggest criticism of Bagley in the '90s was that I felt that as as dynamic of as his characters and costume were, I sometimes felt that his his humans were you know or his normal people were stiff and emotionless. And I felt like he brings it on every page because there's not a lot of Spider-Man in this issue. There's there, a lot of Ben Riley, but yeah, there's a lot of Ben Riley, but not a, but you know, but there's not a lot of you know Peter as spider I mean, you just you you're getting a lot of Peter and MJ and Aunt May, and they're they're going through memories, and you know Aunt May on the Empire State, and that scene with the the second to the right and straight on till morning on you know that you know, I mean it's. Like Dan, like I don't cry reading comic books. I first time I read this, I cried. I mean, this was like <laughs> like devastating to me, devastating. But but you know, I mean, it's Aunt May. I mean, they've been trying to kill Aunt May for years, <laughs> <laughs> and they finally did it. This is it's enough to give them a round of applause for finally doing it. Yeah, uh, and, in, in this comic, and 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 shockingly, I would. But you know, as much as I love this issue, I would definitely say the ugliest cover of all the centennial issues absolutely there's no question there um i mean good 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 gravy is that tombstone i mean so much so that when we were at connecticut comic-con i brought this issue with me and both jmd and bagley were like i hate that cover (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was a nice try let's just say that yes I'm, i'm sure i'm sure danny figueroth when he was the editor thought Oh, die cut tombstone. That's going to be perfect. Did we ask Danny Fingeroth about this? No, but he was the editor of that book, and and the, and he like owns up to like being playing a hand in all of the 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 gimmick covers at that time because that was coming from sales. I mean, it was you know the sales part was like we need we need to make sure we sell this book, you know, like so come up with some more cre- crazy covers, you know, like. At least they didn't put a bullet hole in it. That's that's that was like a Malibu book, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, I guess there's only one that's left to be our number one. What is it, Mark? I'm going to give you the honors. Yes, it's 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 spectacular Spider-Man 300. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> amazing Spider-Man number 300, Dan. I mean, you know, we've I've talked about it. You've talked about it. I've wasted. I mean, I basically started a blog. Based around my love for this issue. Because <laughs> it was like, I want to tell the story about how I'm collecting every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But I, what I actually want to do is go back in time about certain issues and why they're significant to me. Mainly Amazing Spider-Man number 300. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've never really asked you why you – like what made you start the blog? And what was it writing about issues like this? Well, that was – yeah. I mean I, I started the blog – because, you know, I mean, I'm a writer, A, but B, I mean, it was like my wife was like, oh, you know, I think it would be interesting 
as you're getting closing on this journey that people see this. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not just going to write about, well, I picked up this comic today. I picked, there needs to be more of a hook. I said, I need to kind of go back in, in, in time. And, and like, you know, it's not so much, it's, it's, it's how these comics, not only how I acquired them, but also like why, how they built this love for a hobby and a, and a character the way they did. And, and, and 300 was, like I said, that was the, 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 you know, the, the bomb that got dropped on me as a kid in terms of, you know, what a comic should be. I mean, I, I, that's what I always will tell people. It's like, I, I was like, Oh, look at this. They're, they're, they're pictures of, of, I mean, I was seven years old, pictures of people in costume. Oh, this is cool. I, I remember I had like the secret wars action figures as a kid. And I thought that was cool. I mean, it was, it was kind of just like toys and cartoons and then 300 came out and I was like comic books. Like, it was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, and the story's really cool too. And it event and it create it's the debut of my one of my favorite villains. But you know, it, it was more about like what it did to me as a, as an individual and and for this medium. That why I will always put this book above a lot of others, probably any other. And what about I'm, you? I'm right there with you. I mean, Venom is what got me into Spider Man. You know, seeing him fight that villain, and I mean, who could I, deny how great of a debut for a villain this book is? Well, I was going to ask you. I mean, so you you by the time you got into comics and Spider Man, three hundred was in the rearview mirror. So what you know, what was your reaction the first time you read it? You know, I had read this book after I already knew how Venom came to be as a character because I I, I was buying new Spider-Man comics from 375 onward. But then I started collecting, like, Spider-Man cards. And, you know, of course, you get the Venom card or the many Venom cards. Right. And they tell you everything you need to know about the character. And it also helped that 375 was a really great um, – introduction to venom like if you had never read venom before it essentially goes down a laundry list of his powers you know in in that issue so uh, and that set up uh, 375 sets up lethal protector too right and i think lethal protector goes into the origin too yeah and i wasn't reading lethal protector at the time but yeah at the end of that book it, it sets it up um so i had known venom and i had fallen in love with mark bagley's venom um, which was a very different Venom than, you know, Todd McFarlane. So when I think when I was a kid, when I first read it, I thought, oh, this, this character is not as cool as the one I'm used to with the tongue and, <laughs> and the, you know, call a, a crazy call a cop changing abilities and stuff like that. I mean, he was really just developing. But I, I, I did have a special reverence for you know, the origin of the character. And there's really no denying how much of a force he comes across as in this issue and just how great and and interesting that origin story is. I mean, there's one thing that I think this story has a real impact on, and I think it's Ultimate Spider-Man, because I think this is the first time we really saw a villain's origin be tied so directly and so personally to Peter Parker. And I think through all the different interpretations of the character that have come out after this issue, whether it be cartoons, movies, whatever, every one of them has sought to tie in the character's origin with 
Peter Parker or how Spider-Man got his powers or something personal or some personal reflection. And I think that's what made Venom resonate with people so much. So, you know, more than even just being Venom is cool, this is like one of the first times I'd read a Spider-Man comic where I thought this threat is truly personal. Mm. Um, Only to be later reinforced by that great Venom issue that you and I discussed in our Essentials uh, episode a few episodes back. And I mean, as a, as a visual guy, Dan, I mean, what did you think when you saw the McFarlane art for the first time in this issue? I thought it was great. I mean, there's, there's a grittiness and a rawness to it that I don't think would ever be replicated again in Spider-Man books. Like, his his exaggeration is so people pick on Ramos, but McFarland took it to an extreme, and everything. I've seen, seen interviews. People say like, "Oh, McFarland just knew what was cool," you know. And there's no denying that. I couldn't tell you, couldn't put my finger on it, but that dude knew what was cool. And young me thought, I, "This is the coolest art I've ever seen." All right. Well, I, I am in total agreement with you there. So. Uh... We want to get to some more voicemails, Dan? Yeah, sure. Let's dive right back in. All right. Hi, I was calling to order a pizza with uh, Papa Jonas. Uh, I would like to order a large astronaut special. I've been told it's out of this world. If you could please deliver it to the FAQ channel, that would be even much appreciated. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Dan and Mark. My name's David, and I'm calling to uh, just let you guys know that you have an absolutely fantastic podcast. I haven't been listening for too long. I guess I'm just jumping on the bandwagon now, but uh started getting into comics this past summer, and I have to say, I can't get enough of Spider-Man. Just going through the ultimate run right now, and uh, I tune into you guys every week. Uh, to see what's new. Um, so congratulations, guys, on your 100th episode. I don't know if I made it in time to have the recording played, but uh, <laughs> honestly, best of luck to you guys. Uh, Excelsior and uh, Spider-Man Forever. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. See ya. Hello, Amazing Spider Talk. This is Walter calling in from Nagoya, Japan. I hope you can hear my voice. I'm using... Uh, Google Voice. Anyway, I'm a huge fan of the show and listen to every episode. An interesting fact about my relationship with this podcast is that I strongly associated with Taiwan Mavesoba. Taiwan Mavesoba is not from Taiwan. It is a popular regional dish here in Nagoya. It's basically ramen without the soup, and its ingredients are uh, ramen noodles, ground beef, onions, chives, raw egg yolk, and uh, garlic. Mix it all together, then you eat it. It's very delicious. I, I, I personally love it. Anyway, for a while, my routine was to go to my favorite ramen joint and enjoy a delicious bowl of Taiwan Mavisoba while listening to this podcast. I did this so frequently that now, in a Pavlovian twist, whenever I listen to this podcast, my mouth starts to water, and I think of Taiwan Mavisoba. That's my story. So, if it's okay, I have two questions. First, are there any non-Spidey villains that you think would make an interesting addition to Spidey's rogues gallery? Not just Marvel villains, but uh, villains from any publisher. Second, 
What do you think makes a good Spidey villain? Not just a good villain in general, but what makes a someone a good Spider-Man villain? And that's it. Anyway, congratulations on the 100 episode. I hope you guys can keep on going for another 100. I don't know about you, Dan, but I want some of that that ramen dish right yeah. now. My mouth is watering. Taiwan marisoba. Yes, yeah, sign, sign me up, please. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to get the Pavlovian response. So much better than Irish bacon. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Canadian bacon. Well, that too. Yes, yes. Um so he has some interesting questions. Uh, do you have Do you have any non Spidey villains that would be interesting that you would uh, want to throw out there? Gosh, that's really tough. Um, there's so many good ones. Uh, I really would like to take a, a villain from Invincible and 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 throw it in here. There's a character named Robot in Invincible that starts off as a hero and becomes a villain. That I think. He's kind of an interesting global villain. He's so smart. I'd be curious to see how Spider-Man would defeat him. But it's hard to just take a villain and throw him into Spider-Man's world and have him feel like he fits in. I feel like they try it all the time, and it always feels awkward. But there's, like, there's just something about those you know, Dicko villains that makes them essential. Um, and I think without the personal connection like we just talked about, it's hard to introduce a new villain in that's not already Spidey's. But uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm thinking. I mean, I, 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 I hate to have a cop-out, but I mean, I, I, if, if I could answer the other question and, and, and kind of tie it into why I, I don't know if I have an answer. I mean, in terms of what makes a good Spidey villain, I mean, for me, because, you know, Spider-Man is essentially a, a hero that has been built upon um, his guilt and his, you know, you know, his lack of you know, his obligation to do the responsible thing. I mean, to me, the, the, the great villains are those that kind of tap into Peter's guilt as, you know, for some reason, you know, with, with Norman Osborn, it was this sense of, you know, this was the, this was his best friend's father and, and, and somebody who, uh, was, was driven mad because of an experiment gone awry. And thus like, you know, like Peter had sympathy for him and, and, and having to make that choice to subdue him, was obviously, you know, led to huger ramifications. Same with Venom. Like you talked about that personal connection, you know, if, if Peter never brought that symbiote back to earth, there would never, there would not be a Venom. So he feels responsible. Um, Doc Ock, it's not that Peter ever truly felt responsible for Doc Ock, but like they, they always kind of felt like two sides of the same coin. And, you know, Doc Ock was, what Peter would have been if he didn't go down the path of responsibility. Um, so I feel like without that kind of personal nature and that, that, you know, that tie into the responsibility, I don't know if you have a good Spider-Man villain. I mean, you know, could, could, could you say the Joker would be a good Spider-Man villain? I mean, you know, the Joker is certainly someone who knows how to play mind games with a, with a hero, but I mean, you know, there's nothing to tie him to that in terms of Spider-Man, right? Yeah, you're right. And to answer that, the second question on my end, I think you're right, Mark. But I, I, I think even additionally, 
one of the key elements I think makes a Spider-Man villain a Spider-Man villain is that they've come across their powers in an unnatural way. Like mm. n- none of them are latently powerful. They've all stumbled onto powers just like Peter did. But the difference is that they've chosen not to use them resp- responsibly. And I think that's the key thing that makes a Spider-Man villain a Spider-Man villain. And I, I couldn't think of another character that has so many villains that all arrived at their powers through similar fashions like this. And I think that's the key thing. I mean, even, say, Mr. Negative, I think he works because he got his powers in an unnatural way. Like, he was, you know, tortured and has now used them to become a mob boss. But, like, almost all of them have the powers happen to them, uh, and then it's up to them to make that choice. That's a good point, Dan. Um, And then there's Kingpin, and he, we, and he really didn't work out ultimately as a Spider-Man villain. <laughs> he yeah, makes oh, so much more sense as a Daredevil villain. Or I a thought Punisher you meant villain. he didn't work out because he was fat. Well, and then he didn't work out because <laughs> he was fat. But um, oh my, that's 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 the beverage talking, isn't it, Dan? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, we got a special announcement coming up. Yes, we do. Why don't you Why don't you kick it off? Well, I'm going to let the music kick it off first. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, go forever greater, we can show you how to, and when will you be then? You'll belong, you'll belong, you'll belong, you'll belong to the very marble marching society. Yes, I know you all were just itching to hear the Mary Marvel Marching Society theme song, which hasn't been on the podcast in a while because I kind of suspended the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club for a bit, although I was still giving all the payouts for people who had invested in it because I had decided to relaunch the program as something better more accountable, um, and more formulated to help both us and you, the listener. So over the past, I guess, year or so, would you say a year, Mark? Yeah, give or take. Yeah, about a year or so, I've been working on this project of, of redoing the, the, the page. And um, now uh, it is what we're doing, a Patreon account, which is basically like Kickstarter, but like ongoing. So you can pay... A couple bucks a month to subscribe, and you get all kinds of awesome rewards as time goes on. Um, but primarily, it's a great way to get you guys to interact with the show. But one of the things that I think everybody should check out, regardless of what their interest, is the Patreon video that we made. So if you go to the site and click on the button that says, Mark. It says, Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. It does, Mark. As you click All on right. that, you'll come, like, our, you'll come to our brand new Patreon page, and there's a video that I uh, shot with a bunch of awesome cosplayers and a, a film production crew, and I, it's really funny. I spent a long time working on it, and I think you guys are going to really dig it. 
Don't forget uh, the best actor of all in that movie, Dan. Oh, yeah. Mark is in the movie, too. Uh, so Mark and I, the two probably the best actors on the earth, on earth. Yeah, would you say? I was going to say, it took me, what, about two hours to film my 10 seconds of footage? <laughs> well, I, that was primarily because I couldn't get my lines right. Yes, but 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 I was great. You were great, Mark. Absolutely flawless. Be like that guy. Be like that guy. So, yeah, go check out that video. I think you're going to get a laugh out of it and it will give you more of an idea of what we're doing. But basically, we're creating this club so that you guys can listen into our show when we're recording it. You know, get into a specialized message board, get all kinds of free comics and merchandise. I mean, I got some great prizes to give away. And also you'll get some, like, awesome swag, T-shirts and, and bags and coffee mugs and comics in the mail and all kinds of great stuff. So to get this thing started, we got a bunch of special prizes to give away. And the first one is a huge one, Mark. It's the Untold Tales of Spider-Man Omnibus hardcover. It's, it's a really, you know, limited uh, book. You can't read these issues on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and you're going to get the full run of of Kurt Busiek's awesome untold tales of Spider-Man stories. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I whenever I profile one of these untold tales stories on uh, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, there's always inevitably one or two comments about, you know, I I can't find these issues or I got to go and pick up the omnibus. Well, here's your chance. Yeah. yeah, so all you have to do is kind of get in. There'll be a randomized lottery every week to see who gets what, including tons of digital codes and things like that. But um, it also gets you into the back end of our community where we're going to share with you our notes for the show. You can join in on our recording sessions for the show. You can request that we review one of the books that you suggest. Basically, all of this awesome stuff to kind of get you in on the production we just kind of want to make it, this whole community more inclusive, and and this is our way of doing it. But would you would you say you want to make the podcast great again, Dan? I do want to make the podcast great again, Mark. And <laughs> and and the other thing is that we need we need the funds to keep this thing going. I mean, not to not to get into too much of the nitty gritty here because we've talked about this before. But you know, uh, with our site and our podcast, we are delivering. Dare I say, I think like New York Times level of coverage in terms of fan pages. I don't think that there's another fan page that does quite what we do. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we we're reviewing issues, we're giving news, we're we're going back in time, and then we're producing a podcast, and and that's a lot, and we receive very little, albeit nothing, <laughs> to do it, right, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, so we like to keep it going, and I actually got a couple emails this week. I haven't even told you about this, Mark. Oh, um, from <laughs> <laughs> I love sentences that begin like that while we're on the air. <laughs> yeah, from several uh, advertisers who were looking to buy ad spaces on the site, and it's something that I do not want to do. Like, I would love to keep the site and podcast ad free, you know, because I just think I don't want you guys to question our motives about this show, it's always going to be a labor of love. And I'd rather have you guys support us to the degree that you're willing to support us and bring you in on the process and make you guys a part of the show um, than bring in some ad campaign that's trying to get you to buy their products. 
Um, I just feel like that's the better way. I mean, I, whenever I go to CBR, I, I, I probably shouldn't be saying this because I work at CBR, mm-hmm. but those full-page ads, I mean, how annoying. And that's not what I want our site to be um, or our podcast to be. I don't want to be like, welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. Now let's hear a whole spiel by some underwear company that we're going to tell you how great their underwear is. Uh, me undies. Go <laughs> – See now I'm already plugging them without even plugging them. But I was say this podcast is not brought to you by me undies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to lie to you about Sock Club. How about Stamps.com, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> That's one I hear a lot of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I want to avoid all of that and then give you guys something in return. And trust me, you're going to get way more back than you put in uh, because I've got a bunch of awesome. Prizes. So the first one, again, that's the Untold Tales of Spider-Man Omnibus, which we'll give away in two weeks on the show. And uh, just go. You know what? Even if you don't know how you feel about it, go check out the video. I'd love you guys to give me some feedback on that video. So all you have to do is go to my site or Mark's site and click on the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club icon on the page, and it will take you right there. Wait, wait, wait. Ho- hold on, Dan. Someone's coming by and wants to say something about the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. All right. I, I dare, dare I guess who it is. Why, hello, and congratulations on your 100th episode, Mr. Dan. How are you? I thought you were locked in the basement, Flash. Well, I broke out, and I see a bottle of Johnny Walker Black by the podcasting machine, and I am really cheesed off, Dan, but... I wanted to offer your listeners a little something for the Spider Talk Members Club. Those who do not donate to the club can enter a raffle to have dinner and a drink or 12 with your old pal, Flash Thompson. So that's if you don't donate, you enter into the raffle. And there's like 1,200 of you out there. So one lucky winner... Who doesn't donate, I'm just going to show up at your door. I'll probably puke on your shoes, and then we're going to go out to eat. And you're going to treat me like a nice guy. <laughs> That's certainly a threat. <laughs> a threat. This is, this is a lovely gift, a token parting gift to, what, to the listeners. Why don't you help us out, Flash, and people can get you to record a voicemail message for, for them as Flash Thompson. I can do that. All right. I think that needs to become a thing. I mean, you know, I heard last time that I apparently have a Brooklyn accent, even though I grew up in Forest Hills, Queens. I know. uh, Actually, uh, people keep telling me I sound like all these different things. I know what I sound like. I sound like Flash Eugene Thompson. That's what I sound like. So uh, on that note, I'm going to steal Janakio's liquor bottle here. And I'm going to enjoy the rest of this podcast from the corner of the little podcasting room in the back of Mark's house. Well, I guess I guess thank you, Flash, for 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 offering to help. He's trying to help, Dad. I mean, you know, he he. I don't know. So uh, before we go, I got one more guest here uh, who insisted on talking on the show. Uh, she wanted to talk about what it's what it means to create this this podcast it's my so girlfriend in- amy so introduce yourself amy hi i'm amy uh so yeah 
Uh, Dan spends basically at least one night a week recording with Mark uh, and then edits well into the early hours of the morning the following day. And so basically it just means one night a week I don't really see him at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't expect that I would be talking to all of you right now. <laughs> but Amy, Amy, you act like not seeing Dan one one night a week is a bad thing. Can you can you elaborate on that? Um, well, I like his face, uh, but yeah, I mean, and he's just a busy guy all around. I think our schedules are kind of opposite at the moment. But you know, I I think one of the things that really drew me to him initially when we started dating was he had just gotten started on this podcast, really, and. To see how it's grown over the course of our relationship, almost alongside our relationship, has been really interesting. And to see how excited he is to talk with Mark, I kind of feel like you guys are dating a little. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think I, I see how hard the, the both of you work on this and uh, I see the time. And I'm sure your wife, Erin, would commiserate with me about that. Oh, but she's in bed. She's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing people don't know is that, you know, I guess we record these on Thursday night and it was become substantially more difficult because Mark, um, Mark, Mark is in New York and I decided to up and move to L.A. So we have a three hour time difference. So not only do I stay up till like. 1 or 2 a.m. editing this on Thursday night so you guys can get it on Friday morning. But Mark is also recording this. We start recording at like 8 o'clock his time and often go to like 10 or 11 o'clock Thursday night Mark's time, um, which is already pretty difficult for him. Well, because I'm old and I need sleep. <laughs> he needs his beauty sleep, please. Save that- the world. Because I have a four-year-old that's unforgiving, doesn't care. <laughs> Your four-year-old doesn't care that you have a podcast. <laughs> no. Oh, but you know, I think I think it speaks to both of your dedication to sharing with your, you know, fellow spider fans. Uh, and that's why we want you to give us money. No. I was gonna say, I think I think it reflects on our narcissism. No. <laughs> but we love no. doing this and we wanna keep doing it. And that that's the big key thing here though. And like right now I'm like not unemployed, but I, I have a fairly flexible schedule. But once that changes, it's gonna be a lot more difficult for me to justify putting in the amount of work till two in the morning editing this thing um, and then showing up work on Friday as a zombie. So like your donations and becoming part of our, an active member of our community goes a long way to keeping this thing going um, for as long as you guys want it. Cause I know we want to keep doing it. Uh, Mark, Mark, you wanted to keep doing it, right? Yes. And let me just put it out there that, you know, both Dan and I officially have complete collections of Amazing Spider-Man. So all money is going directly into the show. You're not buying us comics or uh, or annuals because they don't count or, uh, you know, (laughs) I mean, maybe we could pull stuff together and get like a podcast copy of Amazing Fantasy 15. I mean, is that (laughs) we just we just ship across the country. (laughs) Yeah, we we, we, it's got a timeshare. I mean, you know, I'm sure I'm sure. Amy wouldn't find that weird. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of other things I could already find weird about 
the two of you in this podcast. That we spend every Thursday <laughs> night talking for hours about Spider-Man? No. <laughs> Very true. No, I don't find it weird. That's not weird. No, well, of course not. But but the, but the point being is that, you know, obviously the end result here, you know, beyond like all the stuff we're talking about is we want to make the show better for everybody. You know, that's we, we want to engage you more. We want we want to create a sense of community and we just want to put together the best show we can. You know, we make jokes about our Internet connections and, you know, our audio levels and 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 all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is it's, it's, it's through programs like the friendly neighborhood spider, uh, friendly neighborhood <laughs> spider talk members club. Bleh, that, Why did uh, we name it that Mark? Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that we will be able to continue to support doing that. It, it, you know, I mean, and then, you know, it'll make, it will make all the time and, and blood and sweat and tears, uh, you know, it, it, that's just icing on the cake. It's, you know, this is this, you know, getting down to brass tacks is just to make it the best we can do. There's so many things we want to do too. I mean, you and I have talked about, I mean, like if you go onto the Patreon site, you can see all these like long-term goals that we have that certain amount of, you know, fundraising will get, allow us to reach. And like, that means like redesigning the website. So it's more professional, like doing, you know, video podcasts, doing all kinds of things that right now we just can't do. I mean, maybe even writing a book someday, Mark. You and I have teased that idea around a couple times. Um, but these are only things that will be attainable through support on the Patreon page. So check it out. We don't want to belabor it too much longer. Thank you, Amy, for joining us. You're welcome for being awkward. Awesome. I awkward mean, is what we do best. I think she was even better than Flash. I mean, talk <laughs> about... Talk about a great guest. She is a great guest. And guess what? I get to enjoy her every night of the week, except for the nights that we do this. And I hope you do enjoy her. <laughs> Whoa. That's Whoa. really, really awkward. <laughs> well, speaking of awkward, why don't we get to some more voicemails, Dan? All right. <laughs> hey, this is Matt Nord, uh, junior news writer for the Superior Spider Talk website and avid spider fan. And I just wanted to give you guys a call and say great work on the podcast and uh, hope to hear a hundred more. Go Spidey. Hey, Dan and Mark. This is Matt Strott in Baltimore. I'm a relatively new listener, but I love your show. Congratulations on a hundred episodes. You guys get me to look at the spider books in ways that I would never look at them by myself. So I really appreciate all the great work you guys do. And I'll be listening for the next 100, or at least until Flash Thompson sobers up. See ya. Hi, Mark and Dan. This is John. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for, oh, feels like not forever, but it feels very long. Uh, I started in the middle of the Superior run, and it's really been great to listen, hear your opinions and everything. Um, I enjoy every part of it. It's a great show, and... Thank you, and keep up. I'm excited to hear what the 100th episode is going to be like and about, and what you guys, I especially like the Flash Flash Thompson Flash reviews, mostly just so I can hear Flash. I know he's a great actor, but really he's, you know, faking the whole alcohol thing in Mark's house. Um, but I also really like the Essentials episodes. They're really superb and excellent, and I look forward to them every other week. 
Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks. Well, John, I can assure you that there is no faking going on in terms of Flash Thompson being alcoholic in Mark's house. <laughs> yeah, why would they think we're making that up, Dad? I mean, this is this is a real problem. I mean, you know. <laughs> and also, uh, also thanks to the two Matts for calling in. And Matt Strott, who is a big commenter on our show. I didn't know he was from Baltimore, my hometown. So that's nice That's nice to hear his voice and, and – uh, and hear that he's from Baltimore. Maybe, maybe next time you you go back there, you could take a tour of the Inner Harbor, you know, and uh, hang out with Omar and company. Absolutely, Matt Matt Strott, you and I are going to go deal drugs on the streets of Baltimore together. You put a pin in that, and we're going to make that happen. Because that's my only understanding of Baltimore is everything I've seen on the wire. Yes, that and just crabs. that I just said I put that on that. You yeah. know, <laughs> I love Baltimore, but yeah, certainly there are neighborhoods not to walk around. <laughs> yes. Well, Dan, why don't we reminisce a little bit here? Because. Um, you know, as if we haven't done that enough on this show so far. Yeah, right. Um, but let's 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 talk some more about uh, about you know, as your as your lovely girlfriend alluded to, how how we how we came to be, you know, the way we were, the way we are. Uh, Can you, you just know? let it sink in for a second, Mark? A hundred episodes. Yeah, you know, we we have gotten on the computer over Skype a hundred times. And let me tell you something, it hasn't always worked. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of not always working, I, I, that's going to bring me to my first memory, uh, which was, you know, Dan, I don't even remember what specific episode we were recording. I know you were in L.A. at that point because and it might have been soon after you moved in because your Internet wasn't always working well. Um, but I swear to God, this was the recording session of Absolute Hell. Dan and 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 you know what? Like I think at the time I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's on both of our ends. No, Dan, this was all your fault. It was a hundred percent my fault. <laughs> um, literally, and and you know, as people who listen to the show will note, I like to uh, to monologue a bit. I I'm an orator. Um, so and and you know, we, because Dan, you know, not you know, to now let you in on how the sausage is made, Dan records from his end. So that's why his audio always sounds better than mine. Uh, <laughs> so so Dan could could talk and, and and monologue about something, and even if I'm not hearing him a hundred percent on this end, he it'll record just fine because he's he's you know it's 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 just coming directly from his mic and his computer. Whereas with me, if something happens with the internet connection in the middle of one of my sentences. Um, you know, I have to redo it again. And in this one specific recording session, I think it was just a standard issue review. It's what, what should have been like a 40 minute episode probably took about two and a half, three hours to do because every time I started talking at something at any kind of length, Dan was like, no, no, Mark, can you do that again? Can you, get, can you do that again? Just pick it up here. And like, I'm sure that was a miserable freaking podcast for you to edit. Like the worst, but the fact of the matter is, it's your damn fault. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about these negative memories that you have is that they're multiplied by ten from my end yeah. because I actually have to assemble them. But yeah, that was that was nightmarish, and that was like, I mean, it must have been like three or four months of consistent bad connections here in LA until like, 
and I had called Time Warner a number of times. I know we like to bag on them, but they kept telling me that there was no problem. They'd send someone out to fix it. He wouldn't do a thing. And just like a couple months ago even, they finally fixed the problem, and we can actually record like face-to-face with video. We've never been able to do this before, and now for the past couple episodes, we have video because finally my internet is working. So. Yeah, but but even even with like the the months of issues, there was like I I mean like I wish I remembered specifically which episode it was. I, I really did block. It was probably like during Spider Verse to boot. So like, and you know how I would like ramble during Spider Verse. Um, it was just so bad, like so bad, like so challenging, like <laughs> like it was like like there was a point where like. I think Dan thought I was going to like quit on the air. I totally thought you were. To be honest, I thought like after that one, I I said a prayer before the next podcast because I was like, I don't want this show to end. But it might end because I think Mark has had it with me. Well, no, it it wasn't you. It's technology. But but, but God damn it. Thank God you fixed your, your internet connection. So, yeah, uh, on my list of five memories, my number five is one that I think anybody who's listening to us for a while just can't forget. And I'm going to let one of our voice uh, mails tell you what it is. Hey, congratulations, Amazing Spider Talk people, on making it to 100 episodes. I imagine this 100th one will be gold embossed. We'll have nine or ten different covers and that you will pad it out maybe by reprinting the origin story. And in the main story, uh, Peter will inevitably uh, meet Uncle Ben in a dream or a fantasy sequence and be reminded of first principles. That's what happens in an anniversary. Uh, this is Alan Churstall. I My first issue of Amazing Spider-Man was number 256 when I was maybe 9 or 10 years old, as you remember. That is the turning point issue where Mary Jane reveals she's always known Peter is Spider-Man. And it's a great, a great fight issue, beautifully drawn by Ron Friends. You know, Spidey versus Puma, and Spidey's got his arm in a sling, and everything is desperate, and they destroy his apartment. And it all felt so high stakes, so important, so much more alive and interesting than the other couple comics I've been reading, like the, the Marvel Spider-Man series. I mean, the Marvel Star Wars series on Spider-Man. That, that I thought Spider-Man is clearly the most grown-up, interesting comic there is, and that every single thing hugely important happens to change the status quo, and I've got to be on this ride for the rest of my life. I think about five more important things have happened uh, since then. I really, really loved it. It's been a great ride, and I've enjoyed the show very much, too, guys. Uh, keep it going. Uh, good job. I'm proud of you. My computer is beeping in the background. I'm looking forward to hear more. As a matter of fact, listening to the show is the only thing that currently still has me buying ASM, just so I can check in with you guys. My favorite memory of your show, of course, is the time you had to, <laughs> you had to edit around and bleep out all of the swearing from the Spider-Gwen creators. Spider-Man's amazing friends have some potty mouths, damn it. Who could forget Robbie Rodriguez and his dog and him dropping the F-bomb about every other word? I think there was even, like, one point where, like, it was, like, a few minutes in where he's like, am I allowed to be cursing? And we were like, well, and he's like, oh, well, fu-. well you know, <laughs> F that. And- <laughs> 
<laughs> that was that to me. I, the whole interview, I had to fight back laughing because it was just so over the top. The f bombs. I mean, you go, Robbie. You do your thing. But to make the the cherry on top of it was the dog barking in the background of that interview the entire time. Unforgettable. Yeah, I, I think you know, and I don't even know if I talk to you about this at the time, Dan, but like, like what added to like the surreal nature of that interview was like spider, the, the edge of spider verse number two had like just come out. And, you know, that was like one of the few issues in recent memory where like the moment after reading it, I was just completely floored as you know, I, I loved it. I thought it was like one of the best things I've ever read. And like on a whim, I like went onto Facebook and and messaged Jason Latour and was like, "Hey, you want to come on our show?" And he was like, "Yeah, that sounds cool. You want me to bring Robbie with me?" I was like, "Yeah." And it's like, "When do you want to do this?" And it was like the next day. And it was like, and I, I, I remember emailing you, did like, "I can get the creators of Spider Gwen on like tomorrow. We can do this, right?" And you're yeah, like, "Oh Sp- yeah, yeah, yeah." Spider Gwen <laughs> wasn't even a thing yet. Like the book yeah. did not exist. We asked them at the end of the interview, "Is there going to be an ongoing?" And they said, "I don't know. Honestly, I don't know." Yeah, I mean, like it was just so like. You know, like it came together so quickly and like it was like, you know, not that I was starstruck because it wasn't that. But like I was like it was like I read that comic and I was like, I need to talk to these guys. Like it was like one of the few times where I'm like, I need to talk to someone. I can do this now because I have a podcast. I'm going to use my power as a as a member of comic book media and try and get an interview with somebody. I mean, like. You know, everyone else, it's always been like, oh, we'll do some planning. You know, I'll ask this person. Maybe we could do something in a couple of weeks. It was like, no, we got to do this now. And, the fact, <laughs> and, and I just remember because Dan is a stickler for audio. I'm sitting here on my end at, during this interview and listening to this dog. And I'm like, oh, my God, Dan must be having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing because I, I, the cursing is what saved it because if it was just the dog – it would have been annoying. But the fact that I could bleep out all of those curses just made it, like, comical. And I think that that episode probably has, like, the most character of any episode that we've recorded. Also has some of the best bumpers. Oh, absolutely. The Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> bumpers, which I totally don't use enough of. And it's a shame because uh, they're so wonderful. But they're just kind of intelligible. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Robbie Rodriguez, and this is my redneck sidekick, Jason Latour. Ain't nobody sidekick, boy. <laughs> Y'all listening to the amazing Spider Talk? Hey man, this is my this, this is Jason Latour. He's my Mexican friend right now. And this is Robbie Rodriguez, and you are listening to the amazing Spider Talk. Get to the chopper. Um, I'm Robert Robert Rodriguez sidekick. Who you calling sidekick, boy? <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your number four memory? Uh, my number four memory. You know, this is this is kind of a, a a personal thing for me, and you know, I don't even know if we've talked about this on the air all that much. But um, in 2013, I. I went to go cover New York Comic Con and I had I had press credentials um from both Chasing Amazing and Amazing Spider Talk or, or it was Superior Spider Talk at that point. Um and you know, I I definitely went into this biting off 
well more than I could chew. Dan was, Dan couldn't you, I guess, had you made it to Cal, were you out in California at that point? I think, I think I just moved to California. Because it was just, I just knew that you coming to New York and, no, you know what? I think you were still in Baltimore, but. I had something going on that weekend. Yeah. So it was, I was going to be flying solo and. You know, again, as we mentioned, Dan, Dan has always been the technical guy of the two of us. So, like, I'm trying to conduct these interviews. I was using like, like GarageBand and and my iPad and with a mic hookup to do it because I was like all paranoid about lugging around like a laptop and equipment around the Comic Con because it's it's. I mean. I've never been to San Diego, and I know San Diego is is the biggest, but I mean New York is just huge, and like Dan, I I had the mother of all meltdowns that you had to kind of like talk me off the ledge from because I just remember, um, you know, the first day, I, I you know first day it was getting some interviews, and like half of them were inaudible, you know, I had this one interview with Humberto Ramos that like we couldn't even get a scrap of audio from. And I, I was just like, I just felt so defeated. And then like to top it all off, like I went to um, the panel where they were announcing Dan slot on silver surfer. And, you know, I had been like messaging with Dan slot on Facebook leading up to that. And he kept, you know, he was very upfront saying, I don't think I'm going to have time. I go from one thing to the other, but like I was, I kept saying to myself, I'm just going to like shove, you know, ex, you know, introduce myself to him again. When I see him at this panel, throw a microphone in his face and get him for like two questions and be done. I was being cocky about it, even though I had done nothing right up to that point. And like, I tried to basically do that to, to slot. And he looked at me like I was a crazy person and was like, kind of like, get away from me. Not, not, not in those words, but was just like, yeah, no, I, I really can't talk to you. And I just remember like, I think, I think I sent like this huge e- email to you, Dan, that night yeah. where I was like, what is the purpose of this all? And, and you sent me this response and, and, it just completely like snapped me back into shape and kind of like got me back on there. And, 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 and it was like at that, there were a lot of moments where I could say this about doing this, the show with you, Dan, but like, that was something more than anything else for me personally, where like, I knew not only were you, my, my colleague, the co-host, whatever, but you were a friend because it was like, I was really circling the drain and like, not because it was like, you know, I, I I'm, before I, before I started in my current real job, which I'm not going to get into details for, I was I was a newspaper reporter. This is I I did this kind of stuff, like like interviewing people and celebrities, whether they be movie people or comic book people, was not daunting for me. And I felt so battered by Comic Con because it's its own animal. And I like I was like I was ready. That was actually more so than the internet night, Dan. I was ready to give up. Cause I was like, cause I felt embarrassed as, as like uh, a member of media or whatever you want to call it. Like I, you know, had to give him my card and you really talked me out of it. And, you know, I don't know if I ever thanked you for that, but I, I do. Well, that's really nice of you, Mark. Uh, I rem- I remember getting that email and thinking, boy, he's taking it really hard. And, uh, I can't remember exactly what I said, but, uh, you know, 
cons are overwhelming, especially when you're trying to get things. And as a member of fan press, you know, we're in a weird state where cons are going from being very fan forward to being the exact opposite. And and I think that was one of the things that you were meeting. It's like, it's not that Dan Slott doesn't want to talk to you. It's just that, like, the nature of these things has changed so dramatically, like, that these creators, I think, are under just as much stress. Because, like, they would love to talk Spider-Man, I'm sure, with their fans. Because we were, I mean, as much as we like to bag on Dan Slott now, and I don't know that we necessarily bag on him more than we are critical of his work, we were huge fans at the time, you know? And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's hard to kind of, like, get a poo-poo from someone that you do a podcast about every week, you know, whose work right. you are so invested in. So, Like I, I said, I mean, it, and it was a cherry on top of the Sunday of like, like I said, botching the Ramos interview, botching a couple of others. Like I had to like go back to Edgar Delgado and, and interview him a second time because like the app that I was using crashed in the middle of the, and I didn't realize it like when I was using it the day before. <laughs> so it like didn't record anything. <laughs> so but some was... of those interviews are great. I mean, we got Ryan Stegman who we got on the show and, and then Peter David. And I mean, you know, we got some good people on it from that, from that con, but that was, that was like torture for me trying to get that together. So, um, well, I'm glad but... I could pull you back from the drain. Yeah, you were a good friend, Dan. So what's what's let's let's think about happier things. What was your favorite? What's your fourth favorite memory, Dan? Well, my fourth favorite memory uh, re- revolves around a certain guest to our show, who uh, actually left us a message to say hi. So let's listen. In. Hey guys, it's Jerry Conway wishing you a happy one hundredth. Keep it flying. Bye. Keep it flying, Mark. That's Jerry Conway, who's been one of the most frequent guests on our show. We've had him on three times, and he's always a pleasure. And I got to tell you, I mean, having him on the first time to talk Death of Gwen Stacy was, uh, you know, a big deal. I mean, like, I remember you and I before that, we were calling each other and being like, I can't believe we're going to talk to Jerry Conway today and now that we've had him on three times it's like oh yeah jerry conway he's an old friend of ours yeah <laughs> i see him at the cons all the time and you know it's jerry conway and he's just an awesome dude but like we were so nervous to have him on but yeah i mean you know and he and he's the first to joke when people refer to him as comic legend jerry conway that he never thinks of himself as such and that's how he conducts himself he just he's just like Another guy who really loves comics and happens to be working in them. And I think that's what made – which has made him so easy to deal with from our end. Yeah, he's great and he's been very supportive of the show. I mean you just heard his brief little message there. But I think the the memory I wanted to highlight was when he came on our show to talk um, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie with us, which I think – you know, is one of our better episodes, but it's such a unique episode because I've never, you you never see these comic creators doing interviews when their movies come out based off of their their content, and I wonder why. And and I thought this was such an insightful interview that we did with him about a guy seeing his work interpreted for the big screen. I had such a great time talking about that movie with him. Absolutely, and and. You know, I remember I, I, I kind of liked the fact like 
I remember after I saw that movie for the first time, Dan, I think you were still a little more positive on it than I was coming out of it. Yeah. Um, and I think we both kind of like have met in the middle and well, I don't know if I've come around on things, but like, I definitely feel you've, you've grown a little more negative to it. Um, I, yeah, I definitely have. Um, but like, you could definitely tell that Jerry was not impressed by it, but he, but he discussed it and he discussed his criticism of it in such, I felt an elegant way that like, it really wasn't like blatant or he wasn't like hating on it or anything. And, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he was just talking to the room and that's why it sounded that way to me. But, um, it was really interesting because he had tweeted how much he enjoyed the movie and like had publicly put forward this. And then when he came on the show, whether he was reading our kind of negative impressions of it or whether he had come around on it, he entered into this conversation with this and kind of turned the tables on my expectations where I thought he would be in love with it and we would kind of have to awkwardly go along with that. But we kind of all ended up on the same page and had a really interesting discussion about like comic book movies in general and and what it means to adapt the character like Spider-Man. Well, yeah, that's a that's a great memory, and and you know, yeah, talking to Jerry all times has been great. I mean, talking to all of the creators has been great. Here, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on with my list, and I, you know, I just I just found this very funny. Like my 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 third memory is from I believe it's our second episode. We had we had just started recording, obviously, and we we did Superior Seven and Superior Eight in the same episode that was like the cardiac arc that ended with um peter trying to take over doc ock's brain during surgery back when our episodes were monthly mark you remember that well that was the joke so we were like we were going to do this monthly show and we're going to talk about full arcs and superior nine came out and we were both so in love with it or just we're so passionate about it i should say that we were like, we got to record this right now. And I feel like we just like, you know, totally like tossed our, our, our monthly thing to the, to the, to the garbage can and started, you know, and, and basically did like a two and a half hour podcast on this one comic book where we both just basically sang its praises for the whole time. I mean, you know, if anybody didn't, if anybody doubted that we were like, going to be a fanboyish podcast. I mean, my goodness, if they go back to that one, I mean, they'd probably be like, oh, God, look at these noobs. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, what are they trying to do? Like, get in with Marvel or something? I mean, we were just so effusive. And it's a great comic. I'm not, I'm, I'm not changing my opinions on it. Um, but I just, I just remember at the end, I was like, and, and I actually had this moment afterwards where I was like, I hope, like, we're actually bringing something to the table with our recordings here because if we're just going to sit here and be like, I love this comic, it's the best, um, you know, that's going to get pretty boring pretty fast. And obviously that would change um, over time. But um, but that episode always just stands out to me because, it, like I said, it kind of like speaks to the nature of our podcast and and not only just the growth of it, but just kind of how we've like I feel like Dan and I sometimes make these proclamations to each other. We're going to do this. We're going to be shorter. We're going to do, we're going to be more succinct on this end, or we're going to try and do more interviews, or we're going to do less on the new issue and like, you know, like throw everything out once there's something we really need to talk about 
that comes up. And it never happens. No, never. <laughs> we can never follow what we want to do. Like, oh, hey, let's do like a hundredth episode. It's like an hour long. I'm sure this episode will be over two hours long easily. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, let's keep it moving. Dan, what's your third favorite memory? So my memory is kind of broad and and I don't know if it's necessarily a memory, but it's something that, you know, makes me happy just about every day and, and keeps me doing what I'm doing here. And it's that so much of the growth that has happened beyond the podcast uh, regarding our interactions with each other and Spider-Man. I mean, creating the Superior Spider-Talk website and, you know, the fan community that has come up around the show and around that site and the contributors. I mean, I never thought that I would be this involved. I mean, when I first sent you an email about doing this, I couldn't have imagined how much it would grow to become this huge thing. I mean, look, we have a theme song to this show, and not only do we have a theme song, we had to do a competition between three separate songs to choose it. I never would have imagined that. I mean, even the artwork that people have sent in, and I get emails every week about like how much the show means to people and how much it is like kind of become like a friend of them. I mean, let's listen to these voicemails just for an example. Hey, I just want to say thank you for doing this awesome show because my name is Thomas Smith, and I live in the middle of Wyoming, which is the middle of nowhere, and there are absolutely zero comic book shops in the area. And as such, I read all my comics digitally, and, and I don't really have very many friends who are into comics and and. Even then, they're not into Spider-Man. Um, so listening to you guys and the ultimate spin is just really great because it feels like I actually do have friends who read Spider-Man comics like I do. Um, thanks again for the show, and happy 100 episodes. Bye. Hi, my name is Kevin Ewing, and I'd like to congratulate Dan and Mark on 100 episodes of Amazing and Superior Spider Talk. I'm a relatively new listener, having discovered the podcast last August, but I've been a Spidey fan since first seeing him either on reruns of the 67 cartoon or on The Electric Company. I had a few comics purchased for me as a child, and my serious comic reading of Spidey started in the late 80s, and I haven't stopped since. Let me destroy any credibility that gives me with you two by saying I enjoyed the ending to Superior Spider-Man and had a lot of fun with Spider-Verse. I enjoy listening to your podcast because of your obvious love of the character, your knowledge of his vast history, your backing up of the things you don't like with logical and sound reason, even when I don't share the same opinion. Plus, I have zero friends that read comics, so it's nice to listen to two pseudo-friends talking about my favorite character. During my binge listening of all the old episodes, it seemed my wife would always come into the room just when you were talking about something to do with Peter Parker, and she was convinced I was listening to the same section of the same podcast over and over again. Her favorite thing to do was to enter the room, say, Well, I think Peter Parker, blah, 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 blah. Turn around and leave. I'm more than a little thankful she never heard discussions on Spider-Man rain and its radioactive sperm. Anyway, thanks to both you for providing many hours of listening pleasure on such a beloved character, and I look forward to the next 100 episodes. Hey, Dan and Mark. Jason from Montreal. Just picked up my uh, Montreal bagels, but listened to uh, one of your podcasts. Excited to hear the next episode. So um, just want to let you know that Montreal bagels still rock. Canadian bacon. 
sucks. You know, Dan, there's actually a, a, a deli here in New York that's it's based off of a Montreal deli. I, I'm still yet to try it, um, but I heard that the bagels there and, and, and the Montreal locks are to die for. <laughs> but no so, Canadian bacon. But no, there is no good Canadian bacon to find in the city anywhere, or in the or on the planet. I think is is our thesis. Yeah, well, and and just to further embellish that, Dan, you know, I I I hate to get you know into personal stuff again, but you know, over the past year, I've lost a tremendous amount of weight, and it's just killed me because, like, you know. Eggs, you know, for, for weight loss, eggs are very good for you because they're protein. Yeah, they got fat cholesterol, but like it's a good fat, it's a good cholesterol, lots of protein, uh, low calorie. And, you know, when, when you read these health sites about, you know, especially when, after I run, it's like I need to get like lots of protein and stuff like that. What's the best kind of breakfast meat to eat? They're all like Canadian bacon and eggs. And I'm just <laughs> like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, I think I think the broader point is, here is that it's been great to kind of create all these inside jokes, but even more so, it's great to know that like the reason we started this podcast is because I guess we needed someone to talk to about Spider Man, and that's kind of what keeps it going. And that we can be that to other people out there means a ton. And I never imagined that like we could be that community in terms of jokes, in terms of the website. And and that's a real memory I'll I'll always take with me uh, from this show. Well, in, in that vein, um, my my second memory is, is was the first time we actually spoke over Skype, Dan. Um, you had emailed me, I think uh, a few weeks prior, and I was actually going back today and and revisiting some of those emails and and. <laughs> um, which were interesting. And I really sound like a dork. I think like, it's so funny. Like I'm all like, I'm the cynical one because at that point I'm the one who had the website that you were the reader of. So like, I'm like, Oh, my adoring fans need to do a show with me. (laughs) Uh, you know, like I, I, like I was acting like, you know, the King of the Roman empire that needed the, um, to be impressed, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. And I remember you were very you were very hesitant because I liked uh, uh, the Dark Knight Rises, and I sent you a podcast where I recorded a positive review of that, and you were like, "I didn't like that movie very much. I don't know that we're going to have similar opinions." <laughs> yes, that that was part of it too. But I like yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's right. Your movie podcast. Um, so we were. So I was I was skeptical, but obviously at the same time looking back at like what I was writing to you, still trying to impress you, because I, I guess I'm just constantly yearning for validation. <laughs> um, I always got to be the cool kid in the room. Well, meanwhile, uh, I was living in my parents' basement, look like looking like tr- trying to find a way out of there. Right, right, and. And and wouldn't you know it, Dan? I I, name, I I don't think I'm misremembering this. So like, I called you. It was like a Sunday morning. I I, I called you up and like, at first I felt bad because like it was like a nine. Like I, I, like I was definitely playing hardball with you. I was like, I could do something early Sunday morning, like nine o'clock, because you know, I mean, with a, with a with a kid, you know, weekends are tough sometimes. Um, and um. 
I think you would like had like a movie night the night before. And you're like, yeah, I was like up until like two in the morning on my movie night or something like that. And I'm like, oh, God, now I feel like a heel. And you're like trying to like test out the Skype connection because we were going to record the podcast like later in the week. And like the the software that you use to actually capture the audio kept crashing on you and wasn't working. And like I'm just like. I mean, it was like the very, I just remember saying, this is never going to work. What is it? Who is this guy? What is, you know, he, he comes to me like, oh, I do this all the time. I got this podcast, with the movie. Here's this Dark Knight Rises uh, review I did. That's, you know, that praises this movie and like kind of like poo-poos the people who've criticized it. Because, you know, it's like, oh, for all the people who criticize it, I mean, come on. Who cares if that movie had like like major plot holes and was like, uh, you know, took place in a pit for like half of it and, you know, had had an uninteresting villain that you couldn't understand. Um, (laughs) How do you really feel, Mark? Yeah, exactly. This this has been the longest form way of proving me wrong about a movie (laughs) ever. But anyway, so but but. That was my first impression of Dan, and yet I stuck with it. <laughs> you did, and have I proven you terribly wrong? Of course you have. You've been everything <laughs> everything I never expected and more. There you go. There you go. Now you're writing for me. Let's 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 exactly. remind you of that. Exactly. I I have succumbed. I have been assimilated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my number two uh, memory, you know, because I'm I'm definitely ranking these, Mark. Okay. Is uh, interviewing Ron Friends at the Baltimore Comic Con very early on. Um, it was just an unforgettable interview that I did, and I think, you know, certainly, um, Ron Friends has been one of the biggest supporters of this podcast. And you know what? Let's just. He gave us a voicemail, so let's listen to it and see what he has to say for himself. Hi, yeah, I'd like to order a large uh, thin crust with uh, sausage and uh, pepperoni. And uh, I'm just kidding. Hi, hi, Dan. I'm hi, Mark. It's uh, Ron Friends calling, wishing you a happy anniversary. Congratulations on the hundredth episode. Now I got to ask you a question, though. Is this one of these uh, BS? Hundred episodes. Is this counting Superior Spiders talk? Because that's like a She-Hulk BS type of 100th episode. That's not like you know 100 actual issues of Spider Girl in sequence. And I don't want any of this She-Hulk fancy counting accounting thing. That's ridiculous. That's BS. But happy anniversary, and I hope you continue to do the quality work that you're known for. It's been a pleasure being on your show before, and I thank you very much. Congratulations, guys. Take care now. It remains to be – it needs to be said again, Dan. Ron Friends is awesome. He is the best guy in comics. I will <laughs> say that till my grave. I mean he – and he's the reason I think that really solidified my – as an adult, my love of collecting and being part of the Spider-Man fan community. Like I've said on the show before, I went to the Baltimore Comic Con years before this interview – and he and I connected over the must uh, also in in the uh, in the great power, great responsibility. And he gave me a free commission, which no one does, just because I knew that about Spider-Man. And it, it really proved to me that there was a, 
a great community out there to be a part of. And Ron Friends, for my money, is the heart of it. And to, that I got to interview him at the Baltimore Comic Con years later, and he remembered me and invited me to his hotel room to just chat and hang out and talk Spider-Man for hours on end and get that awesome interview, which I recommend everybody go back and listen to. And I even get him to cry during the interview, which I don't know if I should be, like, exclaiming that. But, like, <laughs> you know, he's a guy that really cares about his work and the community and what it means to him in a way that I haven't experienced with anybody else we've talked to. Enough so that he drew a logo for our show, which we still use to this day, and then sent it to his friend Sal Buscema to ink. I mean, who else would do that? I, I can't think of anyone else in the community that we've talked to that would go to that length. And then we debuted that, that logo 30 episodes later. Uh, but, yeah, it was amazing. And on a personal note, you know, I'm looking for work after grad school right now. And Ron Friends has been actually very helpful in that regard, se sending personal emails to people uh, on my behalf, recommending me for jobs in the comic industry. And like, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, Ron Friends, he's just the man. He is the man. And uh, it's a, a friendship I, I will not forget. Absolutely. Well, Dan, speaking of, speaking of friendships, we will not forget <laughs> – because who could forget us? <laughs> uh, I think we have similar number one memories, uh, but I'll kick us off. Um, you know, it, it, it's the time I met Dan in person. Um, you know, we, we had been doing the show for a couple of months. Oh, and... I think only two months. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that kind of, So we were like... We were, we wanted to start looking into some creator interviews and and that, there was a, a Comic Con in Connecticut, um, you know that w was going to have some guests like DeFalco was going to be there, Jim DeMatteis was going to be there, Mark Bagley, and um, looking back we, on it, that was a hell of a lineup at that con for us. Yeah, that was not a bad lineup at all. I mean, you know. Uh, Danny Figueroa, Jim Salakrup were there, um, and we um, we we said, "Well, we're going to do this." And and so Dan came up from Baltimore. He he got there late that night because I felt bad because I was going to take you out to like one of the really nice uh, Chinese restaurants near me because I'm by Brooklyn Chinatown, and like everything was closed by the time we got here. <laughs> I think we ended up like like the one like Thai place that was open that wasn't like super authentic good Thai. It was just Thai. And then we like uh, ate it on your couch hastily. Yeah. Well, I don't have a table. <laughs> those are expensive. <laughs> but it's not even that it's expensive. You need room for those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, we the next morning. You woke up. We woke up. My my wife made us breakfast because she's <laughs> awesome. You met my son. My Who, son like, found out. Loved yeah, me. Yeah, to say my son found out that you one point in your life worked with Elmo, That's and that true. was all he needed to know. Um, I believe your son kissed me quite liberally. <laughs> yes, he does that. <laughs> in some states, that would be considered illegal. 
Uh, yes, true, true enough. Um, also, another added element, the day that Dan arrived at my door was the day I purchased my copy of Amazing Spider-Man number one. I had shot my unaired episode of Comic Book Men uh, and purchased that at Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. Um, you know, again, in a transaction that I thought was going to be on television that, that for whatever reason never made it to, to air. Um, so like, that was the other thing. I, and I mentioned that to Dan, I was like, there might be a surprise waiting for you. And then I had this moment, maybe I shouldn't have told him that. Would he walk off with it? <laughs> <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Cause I don't know if we've talked about this. What were your fears of, of, of me showing up? Like what, what, what were you expecting or like, like anticipating in a bad way? Well, the other added element was that we, we, we went up to Connecticut and we, we got a hotel room up there. Like when we did that, I think I reserved that in advance. And that was kind of like, there's one thing for you to be on my couch in my apartment while I'm in the bed, my bedroom. But the fact that we were going to be sharing a room with each other kind of made me anxious. Right. We hardly knew each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this was like, this was kind of like, you know, it wasn't like I like feared anything, but it was kind of like the, you know, did you, did you go away to college Dan or, or did you yeah, commute did. this? Yeah. Like, you, so like, you know, that first time you met your college roommate, you know what I mean? Like that was kind of what, that was what the anxiety level was. It was like, all right, I'm gonna be like, kind of in a in a in a in a captive audience with this person for the next, you know, and you know, like I had known you well enough at that point, like I wasn't afraid of you being a certain way personality wise, because I feel sure. like I had a good sense of that. But like in terms of like we're gonna be driving three hours in the car, and we're gonna be, you know, having meals together, and we're gonna be interviewing people together. I mean, you know, like I was worried a little bit about. Because you, you know, again, I was kind of like, oh, you know, we'll just like interview people with our iPhones. And you're like, no, I'll bring the laptop and we'll have this and we'll do that. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to like be setting up for 20 minutes when we're just trying to like ask J.M. Demetrius about Craven's Last Hunt, you know, for the 950th time that he's answered that question, you know, yeah, like. Right. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, man, how's this going to go? And, and, you know, we're going to end up in this, you know, we're going to have the same room. And, you know, like, you know, he's going to have smelly feet. I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. And then I confirmed it. The smelliest feet you'd ever met. <laughs> no, but you did. You, you, you were, you, you were quite, you were having a lot of fun after only like one or two beers. That was my one. That was my one take. I was like, oh, he's, he's, a, he's great to travel with. Just don't. Does, just don't give him a lot of alcohol <laughs> or give him a lot of alcohol, but then watch him fall asleep on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we were having alcohol and like all of the creators we had interviewed were like a booth over from us. Yes. I remember Danny Figueroa came because he was having, he was explicitly having dinner with Mark Bagley and like they, like Danny was like, you see, we are friends in real life or something like that. I remember just saying that as us. just like, Oh, I never doubted it. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> so, yeah, we got those awesome interviews and like there was that whole point where I didn't have enough money to pay Mark Bagley for his commission. So yes. I had to be running from like oh no, my bank account got shut down for some reason. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So 
So I lent you the cash. And yeah, that that was like, I, I mean, Dad, I, I, I love you now and ha- would have no reservations about that. But like that was something where I was like, all right, I'm giving this guy like a lot of cash. <laughs> and, and we definitely just, wouldn't have gotten that Bagley interview if we didn't get the commission either. Yeah, yeah, he was one of, and don't forget about our interview with DeFalco, where like, oh my God, like this is where we got to learn the quirks of Tom DeFalco. The legendary Tom DeFalco. The legendary Tom DeFalco, because everyone else was like very like, yeah, sure, I'll talk to you. I mean, you know, there was no, there was no hesitation about it. And DeFalco, like, first he like, I mean, gave you, gives us both like the stink eye of all stink eyes when we asked him about it. And like, we didn't know this is just how he is. And he's just, like, it's uh, like, not that he's faking it, but like, this is just part of the persona at this point. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I would just laugh at him now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you were quite nervous for a while after that. I don't think Tom DeFalco likes us. And yeah. I was like, no, I think that's just, just his humor. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't understand these things. And then like we started the interview with like, I remember we brought up the cop, like the, our collections and, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, 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 I almost have every issue, you know, but not the annuals. And he's like, well, then you don't have every issue. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's one of them too. <laughs> That's a lot of power in my corner, Mark. I know, I know. Um, but that was just an amazing experience. And, you know, again, I mean, I, I, I know I said this earlier, like, oh, that's when we became friends. But like, you know. That's where we really got to know each other, and and I, and I feel like you know, it made recording with you just that much easier because it was like I wasn't just meeting this stranger over the internet anymore. It was like you know, this person that I knew very well. It it seemed like it's very strange to me that we've still only met twice in, That's in true. real life, but we spend at least a night a week together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's a bummer because I, you know, I love the East coast and I miss being there. And I'm sure if I was still living there, that number would at least be triple what it is today. We, I'm sure we would have met up half a dozen times by now. If you were, oh, if you were in Baltimore, if you were in New York, we'd be meeting up every weekend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that might be a real possibility down the line. You never know. But well, you gotta, you know, we 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 gotta get you back here, man. Yeah. No, you and me both. (laughs) Get get, get you some Essa bagel. Oh gosh, because they closed down on First Avenue. I don't know that I can accept any other one. Yeah, there's others. Come on, come on, come on. Well, so uh, y- you were digging back through the emails, but I was digging back through our initial emails too, and I discovered what I thought was a real gem, which is yeah. our powwow sessions surrounding what we thought the name of the show should be. So I made a list up, and Mark, I sent you the list okay. of, of our initial ideas for the name of this show. So Mark, why don't you tell us some of your ideas? All right, so I, I apparently suggested the Sup Spider-Man, an amazing podcast. I actually kind of like that, but I think you thought it was too long. Yeah, it's a little long. It's <laughs> <laughs> Sup Spider-Man, come on. Uh, the Amazingly Superior Spider-Man Show. That is definitely too long. Spider-Man Chasers, uh, which plays off the fact that we're both collectors going after runs. Speaking of too long... The Amazing, Superior, Spectacular, Astonishing Spider-Man Podcast. I don't think anyone in their right mind would have ever clicked on that. 
<laughs> and then the Spider-Man Long Box podcast. Which to me is like a blatant ripoff of your friend. Long Box Graveyard? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. He doesn't own Long Box, I guess. No, he does not own the term Long Box. Uh, so, yeah. So, not 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 some of our best work. Although, I still think Sup Spider-Man, an amazing podcast, would have been a good second choice. I think I was pushing hard for that one. Uh, like, I'm still like, yeah, let's change the name. <laughs> well, I, well, I have to give you credit because looking back through it, you were the one that suggested either Superior or Amazing Spider-Talk. And then I said, let's try to get a couple others brainstormed just in case. And then you came up with these. So there you, go. you do get the credit for naming the show. Well, uh, I think, ultimately. well, I, I, I think you were like, when I said superior spider talk, you were like, yeah, but it's not going to be superior forever. And what are we going to change our name to amazing when it goes back? And I was like, <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, that's so, exactly how it worked out. So what are some of yours, Dan? <laughs> so these are mine. Uh, my first one was Spider-Man web talk. Ooh. <laughs> you know, because it's on the web and we're talking and it's about Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, next up was a reverse of your Spider-Man chasers. It was collecting Spider-Man. Okay. Which is okay. It's not very catchy, but, like, it kind of sums up what we do. There you go. And then this one's going to sound familiar to people. <laughs> it was the friendly neighborhood spider talk, which my notes back then said, now I'm just reaching which later I would come to realize I didn't reach quite far enough no. with, with that name. No, you didn't. Uh, uh. Uh, well, why don't we get to a couple of more voicemails here? All right, sure. Hey, Mark and Dan, this is your number one fan, Mike Pache. Just wanted to say I love the show. Keep up the good work, and I'll keep coming back every week. Y'all have a Merry Christmas. Hey, Dan and Mark, what is up? This is David from Texas. Uh, I wanted to talk about two of my favorite things about the show. Uh, first of all, the creation of Papa Jonah's Pizza. Congrats on getting that started. I got to have the pizza. Maybe we'll start with some shirts with some hot, cheesy pizza on the front. And uh, secondly, I wanted to give you guys props for collecting every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, to me, as a listener, it's actually pretty inspiring uh, to hear that you guys actually went out and collected that. So uh, credit to both of you. Uh, it's inspired me to, you know, pick up some U Avengers variants and other things, and maybe someday in the future I can collect my own uh, Amazing Spider-Man run. <clears throat> so that leads me to a question that I had for you guys. Uh, if you were to sell your collections of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, what price would you sell it for? And... Uh, don't be humble about this. Just, you know, you can give a, as high or low a number as you want. Uh, give details. You can also say that you wouldn't sell it at all, uh, but still name a price and give us a number if you were to sell it. I just think that's an interesting question. So uh, thanks for the podcast and uh, keep up the good work. All right, Dan. How, how mercenary do you want to be about our collection? Well, I don't know. You know, it's one of these things. I get that question all the time. Not necessarily how much I would sell it for, but how, but how much, much was it worth? It worth? Yeah. yeah. And what do you typically say to that, Mark? <sighs> yeah, I mean, like, I kind of say for the most, I, I mean, I do explain, like, these are not like mint condition comics. Um, I mean, in fact, most of the oldest issues are of a lower grade. Um, I mean, my number one is a 1.8. 
I mean, it's a nice looking 1.8, but that's that's you know pretty low grade. But you know, I I I I don't like giving a value to it. I don't even know if I've actually really ever tried to do the math. But um, so what I usually say is like, yeah, you know, I really haven't tabulated it. It's not about the money, and it's not. Uh, although I've put a lot into it, but I mean. No, I wouldn't sell. I can't. I, I just can't. And like someone even said, what if your son, you know, your son's college fund? And you want to know something? I think probably at the end of the day, especially with what college is going to be worth, it's not going to actually be a college fund. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's worth that much. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's, it, but, but, you know, the personal value to it is, is immeasurable. So I couldn't even de- dream of parting with it. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to do the math. I, I mean, I gotta think, and I don't know, Mark, if you agree with this. I gotta think, it's in the like ten thousand dollar range of how much I've spent on the comics. I mean, at least. I mean, you gotta yeah. think. Some of these issues, you know, if they're each at least three dollars, or you know, some like once you get down to the Stan Lee, every issue is like thirty bucks or whatever you spent on it. You know. Right. Right. Um, I'm gonna say. I mean, I. I, I mean. You have to figure that the average p- price for the first ten issues is at least three to four hundred dollars a pop. I mean, that's just the average. You know what I mean? Like when you when you aggregate it out. I mean, so yeah. So maybe even like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for the whole yeah, collection. It might be closer to that. Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, I don't think anybody would ever buy it because I'm like you, Mark. My stuff is not mint, so I don't know, like. Selling a whole collection, I don't know how many people actually buy that stuff, especially if it's not in, like, a really great condition. Either way, Mark, I'm like you. I, I don't think I could sell it. I mean, it, it's been a lifelong quest. I don't think I could part from it, even if su- comics suddenly became a good investment. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, I, I've read reports that, like, it's actually not a – you know, they accrue value. So, but, you know, and certainly my number one. But, I mean, I guess if I couldn't feed my – myself or my children and that was the last option yeah absolutely i would sell it people and relationships always mean more to me than paper printed comics but like they are okay. i consider them my prize my prize item that i own okay well here's a question then to follow up so if i mean and and i don't know what my answer is on this but if you know you were you were kind of like in a position where you had to sell like you needed the money for something would you try and sell it piecemeal or would you just sell it as one lump sum? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I would try to do it piecemeal because I think you could make more money that way. Yeah. But, but I think that that, I mean, that's a ton of work. So it's just, I mean, it depends on how much time I have and, and how much I'm willing to put into the investment. I mean, for me, the next, the next step of my collection, once I get a job and some income that is disp- relatively disposable, which I don't know if that'll ever be, but here's hoping. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, will be to go back through my issues and see, like, you know, what ones I feel like need to be upgraded and I could get better copies of. I mean, I'm never going to have, like, like CGC-graded mint stuff, you know. But, right. like, I know there's a couple issues. Like, I know my issue two is real beat up, and I would love to get another one. Um, so that's the next step for me. All right, Dan. Well... As much as it pains me to say it, I think you need to take us home. 
And I got to start editing this darn thing. I know. <laughs> Godspeed, my friend. <laughs> it's our longest podcast ever. Yay. Well-timed. <laughs> and and th- thank you, listeners, for for following us for 100 episodes. Even if you're new, it means the world to us. We love hearing from you. And, man, 100 episodes, Mark. This is the end of the 100th episode. It'll never be on the 100th episode again unless we reboot and try to cheaply get back to 100. Yeah, well, you know, sales, baby. Sales. <laughs> no, who are you kidding? We'll reboot and then we'll just, you know, cash in on the 200th episode, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or what if we, you know, we, we started doing these essential episodes. What if we go back before we did essentials and, and took out the retro segments as their own individual episodes? We could get to like 200 next week, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Dan. <laughs> Work with me here. Yeah, we could definitely do that. But, uh, of course, if you want to hear all of those 99 podcasts prior to this one, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and our, our significantly old now Superior <laughs> Spider Talk podcast at superiorspidertalk.com or find us in iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure you leave us a review. We're at 92 of them. I'd love to get to 100 and match our show. Yeah, definitely, guys. Uh, Also, be sure to check out our Facebook pages and to subscribe to our sister podcast, the the terrific Ultimate Spin. The show is called The Ultimate Spin. I'm calling it a terrific show. Uh, Not quite 100 episodes, but how far along are they, Dan? I think they're on 32 episodes. Ah, 32, part of the Master Planner Trilogy. You got to get into that. Um, And so definitely check them out. And also, don't forget to sign up for our brand new, all new, all different Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. I think you guys are going to love it. We didn't even begin to detail all the awesome things we're going to do through it. So check it out. And even if you're just curious, I think you're going to love the video that we made. Uh, about it because it's pretty funny and it's got a lot of winks and nods to long-term Spidey fans um, across all generations. So, yeah, check that out. And uh, we got announced – actually, this morning I recorded our next episode, so I have been on on it today. Our next next episode is going to be an interview, a a 25-minute interview, so I get a little bit of a break. Uh, with Adam Kubert, who did the Renew Your Vows uh, artwork. That's amazing, Dan. I'm very impressed that we were able to get Adam on. I mean, you know, it sounds like you had a, had a good time with him today, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing that and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it was a really great time and, uh, you know, a nice look at a, a relative newcomer to the, uh, to the Spidey uh, artistry. So uh, nice to talk to Adam. So, uh, Mark. If people want to keep in touch with you on the internet, where can they find you this week? Yeah, just reach out and touch me at superiorspidertalk.com where we'll be talking about Spider-Man mutant stories. We're a few few entries in. Uh, we'll hopefully be a few more down going into next week. Uh, and, of course, you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Dan, where can we find you? Of course, you can find me on Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk. Or my more personal account, at Dan Gavazdan. You can find all of our awesome work at superiorspidertalk.com with all of our awesome contributors doing all their awesome work, too, writing all those reviews and uh, Mark's featured pieces, like he just said. 
And, uh, yeah, you can read my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com. I'm going to – I think I'm headed off to the Sundance Film Festival, so I might have some awesome reviews out of that festival going up there. That's awesome, Dan. Well, I mean, everyone who's listened to this show, whether it be for 100 episodes or one, should know – we kind of always like to end things on a certain way, but I, I think before we get to that, we need to get to a, a voicemail first. Hey, Mark and Dan. I'm calling in because I've been a long-time listener of your show now, and it just it's just always so awful to hear about Mark's Uncle Ben. I mean, you just have to go through the tough experiences. I, I, I can relate personally because I have an Uncle Ben, too, and he, he also passed away recently as well. And uh, I, I don't want to get into the horrible detail because it felt pretty bad as well, but he told me one thing before his passing. With great power, annuals also count. Ah, uh, boo! To, to, to capitalize on the tragedy that is my Uncle Ben's life and death with a cheap annuals joke. That's not right, Dan. That's not a joke. It's a serious proclamation. And Uncle Ben died to make that statement, Mark, that annuals can't. And I think in his memory, we should just let it go. Annuals count. It's official. We've come to peace with it. And we lay Uncle Ben to rest with his tombstone that reads, annuals count. Well, Dan, you're wrong. Okay, because I gotta, I, I gotta end this podcast with my story. Okay, you know, before, as as I was getting ready to record this show last night, um, I had a near death experience. You did? Yes, I, 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 I was hit by a bus, Dan. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I, I don't know how I'm here walking. How Kilgravian of you? Yeah, it was. Yes, very Kilgravian of me. Um, you. And as I as I laid on the ground writhing in pain, I started to black out. And all of a sudden, you know, I started to see all these people before me. You know, there was there was my 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 former girlfriend who beautiful blonde, but you know, just wasn't the one. I I married the redhead instead. And there was a little boy on my street that, you know, he 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 liked to collect Spider-Man. Uh great kid. I wonder whatever happened to him. And then my Uncle Ben appeared. And I was like, Uncle Ben, you're alive. And he said, well, <laughs> let's just say for now it's an episode of – it's a centennial episode. I kind of have to appear in your dream, in, in this in this in-between world. And, you know, like you, you got to I, – I need you to do something for me, Mark, before you go back because uh, this bus injury didn't actually happen. You're not hurt. You're just dreaming that you got hurt because it's the night you're nervous about this podcast. Um, I'm like, what do we, what do you need me to do? And he's like, you know, you got to get up and fight kid and you got to go collect those annuals. I said, come on, uncle Ben. He's like, no, they don't count. What are you kidding me? And also no, with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk.